I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Meta, a podcast about podcasts, and I'm Peter Wells. Each week we talk to the best podcasters in Australia and around the world to hear what they're working on and to help you find your next favourite podcast. Uh, joining me today are hosts Amy Donaldson and Dr. Hunter Mulcair of the Two Shrinks podcast. I'm going to start with you, Amy. Amy, can you tell us uh, exactly how this show came to be? Yeah, so I, I feel like I was a little bit hoodwinked in, into this. Um, Hunter had been talking for ages about doing a podcast and I'd been sort of vague in response and said, oh, yeah, you know, at some point, sure. And then one night he invited me over for wine and there was a microphone. And all of a sudden we were doing a podcast. It was quite awkward in the start. There was one microphone between the two of us. Um, but Don't listen to the first episode yet. No. But pretty soon we worked out, you know, that we wanted to keep on going. And I think we aimed for 10 episodes at the start and we're now about to record our 61st. Wow. So, Hunter, so why did you want to make this show then? Uh, I was on a period of leave and I was listening to a lot of politics podcasts and it was the 2016 election and they talk at a really high level. And I was like, you know what, I really want to do that with psychology. And I got a bit sick of just really basic discussions around things. And I wanted to sort of produce something that would be like an hour long discussion that was in depth and, and at a level that uh, I could I could mentally engage in as a psychologist. Can I ask then, um, just what were some of those uh, US podcasts that you were listening to? What what was the 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 structure that you were trying to go for? I was listening a lot to Five Thirty Eight, so Nate Silver's Five Thirty Eight uh, podcast, and they do a lot of stats. So obviously, being a psychologist, we do a lot of stats, and so that kind of really appealed to me. And listening to some Politico and also Slate Political Gabfest, and so there's just like a lot of a sort of a mix of. Uh, news, but really mainly like a lot of analysis and different kinds of analysis, I think. And that sort of then lends itself to, you know, my psychology brain kind of thinking about, well, what's this disorder and what's that about? Or, or what's what's the nuances of therapy, which is, you know, what Amy and I live and breathe on a, on a mm. working day. Well, yeah, you've, you've positioned the podcast in a really interesting space as, as a listener, as someone who, you know, has no formal background in psychology or any of the things that, that you talk about. When I, when I first discovered your show, and it was purely by accident, it was one of those really happy accidents, but I felt like I was going to be really overwhelmed because of how high level you were talking. But then you, you, you both have this beautiful way of kind of like interrupting each other and, and explaining what the person is talking about and where that fits in with a greater kind of idea of, of psychology and, and the, the methods that, that have come in the past. Where do, where do you strike that balance? Is that something that just came naturally over the last 60 episodes? <laughs> yeah, yes and no. We have had a lot of discussions about how we want it to go and how we respond to one another. And I think there's a fair amount of open feedback between the two of us where it'll be kind of like, oh, I've noticed when I do this, you do this or vice versa. Um, so we approach it, I think, like psychologists in a way of kind of going, <laughs> like, what's that about that you pull back when I do such and such? Or we really worked on it to try and get that balance. And I think the more that we've done, the more that we've gone, hang on a minute, sometimes we get a little bit caught up in 
the jargon that's familiar to us and we need to break this down a little bit more. Um, And so having someone else kind of go, okay, what does that mean in practical terms is an easy way to interrupt that flow and sort of make sure that we're taking everyone with us. Yeah, and and I think naturally as a psychologist, you have to explain concepts to people on a daily basis that may not have any any kind of understanding of what what it is like what's anxiety you know i remember training and and having to explain to somebody what anxiety was and thinking like i've never had to explain this before like doesn't everyone know mm. and so you know i think as a psychologist you get used to doing that and then i think through the podcast we've we've sort of iteratively learnt how you know what works a bit better and what works not so well just for listening to it and then occasionally we get some direct feedback from listeners which you know it's confronting but (laughs) it's actually quite helpful uh to when someone's actually thought about what they want to say about complaining about it and yeah i think we've just also experimented with what what works and what doesn't work so I've got to ask then what's what's it like when two psychologists are arguing um, with each other is it a lot of look when you did this I felt like this and I accept that <laughs> depends on the topic of the argument <laughs> depends how personal the argument is <laughs> look I think the thing is is that like you know we're obviously people as well and if it hits a nerve then you're going to react like any other person and so mm-hmm. I think we Every now and then we've had conversations at the podcast where we kind of go, okay, I'm not up to talking about this right now. Can we come back to it? Because I think it's sort of about being in the right place to have those discussions so that it doesn't turn into, but you do such and such too or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I think that that kind of we're very respectful of of each other as individuals and as, as of clinicians and so kind of when you kind of get into a open open space uh, about going, well, what I'd really like is if you could do this or not do that and, and learning. And I think we've gotten a bit better about that. I mean, Amy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we have. Just facilitating our group session here. That's why. Right. <laughs> I've been meaning to say. No. <laughs> so so you originally agreed to 10 episodes and now you're, you're just past 60. Uh, I, I know how hard it is to uh organize and get together and record a show every single week and how draining that can be. And then there's the edit of that. Was there any moment that thought about kind of pod fading away like so many other indie podcasts do or like, where do you find the, the uh, energy to keep going? Uh, I think that uh, we're pretty good at pausing and going, okay, we need to have a little bit of a break before we can keep on going. So that'll either be both of us going, Oh God, I can't face another one this week or the sort of something will crop up in our personal lives or professional lives or whatever and we kind of go hey can I have a break for a few weeks and then we make the decision whether one of us will go and do something independently like an interview and then bring that back or whether we need to take a bit of a break and I think Hunter's constantly saying well it's our pod we can do what we want with it when I kind of go oh I don't know that we should be leaving it this long or what what about this he's kind of going well we can pace this how we think is best and it's okay to have a break. So I think he's often allaying my anxiety about that. (laughs) And I think Amy probably plays a role of if, if the break gets a bit too long, she's like, come on, we need to get on. Um, I I, I find, because I do all the editing. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, you, we can prepare for a show and that will, some of our shows, may, maybe it comes across, maybe it doesn't, but we will, some of our shows will be very intricately prepared. There'll be a lot of research that we have to do. We'll talk about a disorder and, you know, divvy that up and do a lot of reading and think about how we're going to present it. And so that can take a week or two and then we record it and then, you know, it might take a week or, or so given given whatever my schedule is like to record, to edit it and then listen back to it and then, you know, get everything organized. And so I can, you know, a show for me might be consuming for my out of hours time for about three weeks. So every now and then I'm like, Oh God, I need to stop. And then, and like, I'll have a bit of time away and then actually often what happens is I'll go, oh, I'll have a listen back to, you know, another show of ours and go, oh, hang on, that's really fun. Why aren't we doing a pod this week and, and kind of get back into it, mm. if that makes sense. Oh, totally. I, I think a lot of podcasters could appreciate that if they're listening right now. Um, so I want to talk about the uh, COVID-19 uh, episodes you did. They came out early into Melbourne. We're, we're all based in Melbourne. Uh, early into Melbourne's kind of first lockdown. And I found them really, I don't know what the word to use is. Uh, they, they lowered my anxiety, whatever the, that like, cathartic, I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's go into what you discussed, what, some, of, some of the coping mechanisms that, and some of the, the, the things you thought that people might need in this particular time so we we did we did two on coping in the time of COVID, and then we interviewed a, a researcher from the united states dr sherman lee uh, about he developed some scales around anxiety COVID anxiety and then we did a we wrapped up with two other ones which was one about mental health issues specific mental health issues that might be exacerbated in COVID 19 and then because we're healthcare workers, we wanted to do something that was pitched at us uh, or, or our colleagues. We And we sort of aimed it to be a bit more of a conversational kind of thing. It's a, I'm trying to remember back, it was April. We a, <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I, I, think was a lot, I think anxiety was the key problem for people. So I think, I mean, I work with cancer patients and anxiety is a, a problem, is the problem in cancer. And so I'm fairly comfortable talking about that kind of lowering expectations on people uh, on themselves learning how to relax learning how to manage your own internal psychological battles around the worries that you go through that was kind of some of the stuff yeah and i think what we wanted to do was to go really quite basic with it the sort of basic day-to-day things that people could do and really kind of normalize that feeling that we were all having of uncertainty about what this is and what's going to come next and how we're possibly going to cope with all of the changes and with being at home and all of those sort of things so we wanted it to be really approachable and kind of cut across a bunch of those different issues that was the idea. We're actually about to prepare another one to kind of refresh where we're at because things have changed so much. Yeah. And, and I think just think the way that Amy and I work as clinicians, we're sort of fairly genuine in the way that we mm. relate to uh, our clients. And uh, we wanted to impart that in, in, this, in this stuff because it's very unusual to be experiencing the same problems that your clients are experiencing, which is... Mm. We're all in lockdown, or you know, we're all anxious about you know wearing a mask or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the part at the end of the first episode. I think where you were discussing either the friend who wasn't taking it seriously enough, or the friend who was just way too anxious. Because I, I have both of those friends in my life, and I I really wanted them to listen. So. <laughs> that, that was that was not uh, driven by any personal experiences of Amy and I at all. <laughs> I can imagine. 
And uh, one of the other things that was quite surprising about that that those series of episodes was I felt like you were a little bit more free with your your own personalities and and letting some of the you know your own coping mechanisms kind of come through. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, Amy, what was the idea behind that? I guess it comes back to that thing of what Hunter said about it being so rare that you're going through the same thing at your as your clients at the same time. Occasionally, you might have someone who has is going through something that you've been through in the past, but it's pretty rare for it to be at exactly the same time in the same kind of way. And so, so we wanted to sort of acknowledge that and tap into what we've been going through as well. I think both of us have been doing a little bit of that with our clients of going, yeah, like this sucks, you know, it sucks being at home and it is kind of weird that I'm talking to you from my home in my case or in Hunter's case with a mask on and um, or by phone. So mask and face shield on exactly yeah yeah quite hot under there (laughs) yeah so we wanted to kind of normalize it and go you know this is something that we have to work through as well because often I mean certainly for me the kids and parents that I work with often think that I must have my life sorted and I must know exactly how to cope with everything and for me in particular with that episode because I know some of my clients listen I wanted to really kind of emphasize the fact that we're all figuring it out, that this is a process. Well, what's it like knowing that some of your clients listen? It, it's quite bizarre. They often don't tell me, but then they'll do something like they'll, one of them quoted me back at me and I knew it was from a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of one a while ago who I'm no longer seeing was jealous of how I joked with Hunter and didn't joke in the same way with them. So like it comes out in all different ways. And then the parents often I think will Google me and check out my background. And so they often find me and then want to ask a lot of questions about the podcast and I kind of sort of deflect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been seeing a therapist over telehealth What's it like being on the other side? Because I, I know when I've spoken to some lecturers uh, at a university setting, they, they've told me that it is so much more exhausting running a, a lecture that used to be uh, face-to-face over a Zoom. Are you feeling the same way about telehealth or, or uh, in your case, Hunter, behind some perspex and a mask? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think the, the thing that's on the top of my head at the moment is like my been struggling with my voice a little bit this week. <laughs> a little bit mm. more flaky, um, having to project and, and <laughs> having a mask on and, um, in the hospital means that you you limit the amount of fluid you can take in. And it's just, so there's that kind of component. So but that's, the, that's that physical thing where you're having to project. But um, And you're doing telehealth sessions in an office, so you still have to wear all of the PPE even though he's on the phone and video. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, I've been doing a lot of just telephone calls. I work with a much older population and telehealth Skyping kind of stuff is a bit more complicated. I mean, my first role was tele was doing telephone counselling, so it's not something unfamiliar, but you have to just be really, really deliberate and really, really direct. You can't kind of rely on subtlety and things like that. So you can actually, you can get there. It's quite effective, but it, it does require a different 
level of concentration, uh, a different type. And it was interesting. I had a patient face to face this week, whereas normally I would have tens of patients face to face week. And I was really like, what, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> At one point I went to put my leg up on, on the chair that was next to me. I thought, no, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on the phone here. Yeah, it is. It's really different. Most of mine are video. Uh, because I'm seeing kids and teenagers, the ones who have the technology tend to prefer it for the most part. And it's it's really tricky. It's quite tiring trying to do, you know, normally a lot of my therapy is play therapy and doing that via video is quite tricky. Uh, also for kids, they kind of forget some of the usual boundaries when they're at home. So me and and one of my colleagues who who sees kids have both had to give urgent commands to put down the iPad before going to the toilet because the kid (laughs) was just going to keep on talking while walking in there. So things like that where you kind of go, you never have to do that in in an office. It's just, it's a different thing. It's definitely more tiring because also a lot of my work is body based with kids if they don't have language for it so it'll be like oh I noticed that you know you made yourself really tiny when we talked about that or we'll act out things and doing that via video is really tricky the one thing that's facilitated it the best of all is my cat who has been in every telehealth session so far for the last 143 days Um, and they all (laughs) adore her and they all want her to come to the office when we go back so <laughs> maybe interesting. <laughs> I had a, I, I did a, a one hour job interview with a tiny kitten sitting on, on the top of my head for about 40 minutes of that interview. <laughs> amazing. I, yeah. I was just like, look, I, uh, he's comfortable. I, I can't move. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Moving, we will move on away from COVID for a second and we'll get more into some of your, uh, your back catalogue of podcasts. But uh, just before we do, I just wanted to ask, do you do you think that Australia right now is doing enough uh, in terms of mental health? We, we, we're doing okay, sometimes out of luck, but, but in terms of actual mental health, it's, it's, it's something I don't think we're, we've yet to address. I don't know. What, what do you think as, as professionals? Oh, God. I look, I mean, my reaction to that would be it's difficult to say at the moment. I think we're only going to really know in six months' time. My gut feeling is that there has been some efforts to make increase number of Medicare sessions that you can bulk bill for psychologists. I mean, so I'm so my my focus obviously is psychology. So I don't know the broader mental health picture. So I mean, I think there are some efforts, and I and I'm encouraged by that you know and I, I certainly you know mental health funding's often been it's the poor cousin of, of mm. med- medical funding so you know look i think there's some promising things whether it's enough i mean i dare say it's probably not but how that eventuates i'm not so sure amy what do you reckon yeah yeah i think 
it's been good that they've announced some of those things, but uh, the the group that I work with is very low socioeconomic and, and complex. There's usually multi-layered things that most of my clients would live in housing commission houses and have health issues or are carers for their parents, that sort of thing. And so I think that probably the initiatives that have come out don't meet the needs of those kind of vulnerable groups. You know, they're focused on people who can afford to pay a gap fee to see a psychologist or who can afford that out-of-pocket expense of doing that. And I think probably the, the groups that I'm working with have really become more unwell during this period because also their home environment is a lot more risky and they don't have access to, say, a garden or space or, you know, there might be an entire family living in one room. So I think for those people, we're going to have to be far more creative and that it's probably going to be a longer term prospect than perhaps what the funding will provide for. Like I'm curious to see how long the funding goes and whether it addresses that, like Hunter said, it's going to come in a wave and it's going to be down the track. Um, I don't think we know what the the types of problems that people are having. No. Because there's an awareness that, look, it's difficult, but how how serious that is for some people and how how not serious that is for other people. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I, as much as I'm an advocate for psychology, I don't think that psychology is the answer for every mental mm. health problem. I'm far from it, you know, get, yeah. get, getting kids to the park or, you know, you know, getting getting adults out and about and that kind of stuff uh, is frequently much better than giving them a couple of psychology sessions. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think it's going to depend on also like just how the COVID situation plays out and, and employment and things like that. Mm. Can, I, can I just say um, on that note, every now and again when I'm having a really crappy day, I remember a tweet I read from you, Hunter, um, about uh, the amount of people who have seen their mood improve by just eating, remembering to eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely I, I swear by that like the the um if if you're you've you got mental health problems like you suffer from anxiety and mood have you had three meals today have, have you had two meals today mm. it, like you know the, the, i think there's a isn't there like a medical thing like if you're like if you're cold and dead versus warm and dead right? <laughs> like if your mood is low and you're hungry versus mood is low and you're not hungry, like, mm-hmm. like one's more serious than the other. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll just find myself, you know, seven hours into reading about Donald Trump on the computer and realize that I haven't had anything to eat that day. And I'll be like, Hey, Hunter would say, go get a snack. <laughs> it's practically his motto. Anyone stressed or anything like that. His first question is what did you last eat and when? <laughs> <laughs> Good advice for us all. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on to the episodes themselves. Uh, so the episode that kind of brought me to you um, and you've said is now, you know, one of your, a series of one of your more listened to episodes uh, was on, tell me if I'm saying this wrong, the Dark Tetrad? Is that? Mm. Yep, there's, that's right. There's the Dark Triad and the Dark Tetrad, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay, and so uh, explain the concept here. Basically, it's it's been around for quite a while and there's a concept that behaviour that's sort of antisocial is underpinned by a bunch of different facets of personality. And originally it was thought to be three. So it was psychopathy, Machiavellianism and narcissism. I'm thinking, no, it's sadism for the, for the new one. Um, and then there's the tetrad, which adds, adds in that fourth dimension. And so because we know that people are really into the dark stuff, we wanted to talk about this. It's something that probably doesn't crop up in our everyday 
psychology jobs, but it's an interesting concept of how those things fit together and underpin behaviour that hurts other people or that's um, manipulative. Manipulative, yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, the the idea with that would be that you, it's someone might not just be a narcissist. They might they might have an element of narcissism. They might be Machiavellian, so they're manipulative to further their career for example mm. um or you know or psychopathic so that's sort of like that lack of remorse and not much guilt and and so all of those things would overlap like if you did a little venn diagram and uh in so that that can and you can predict behavior better if you look at all three of those than just one you would be the psychology wave uh so when when you're talking about some of these uh these topics what do you find uh people are drawn to in terms of uh the audience that you're listening to do you, do you have a sense of who your audience is out there oh it's a bit um i look don't don't really know uh to be honest like i you know sort of it's sort of the occasionally you get the emails or or mm. a tweet or and or the the rarely you know you get like the in person kind of stuff we certainly seem to think we get uh you know, students, psychology students, um, undergrad and postgrad training. Mm. Uh, the only only people that have ever told me that they listen to it is like I'll be on at work and they'll get a oh, there'll be a student on placement and they'll be oh yeah I've just been listening to your show. It's it's very bizarre. I find that I think a bit, a bit uncomfortable. But um, and we also get emails from people who have a family member or themselves who have. A condition and they're kind of they've listened to it and gone hang on a minute I recognize that mm. um, so we get requests for referrals or where people can find more information that sort of thing um, I think that's pretty common probably in the emails that we receive yeah yeah we definitely like what's interesting is you we you know you can search by the topic and a lot of the topics we've done there aren't actually that many uh, other podcasts that have actually covered it and certainly probably not to the depth that we try to cover it. Um, and so I think I think we kind of carve out a little niche in that. Mm. Like if someone wants to know about, you know, dissociative identity disorder or, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or something, then, you know, we'll be one of the few ones that will pop up on that. So I think, you know, it's, yeah, I think people go looking for us, go looking for a topic and then they find us, I think is, is my gut feeling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's definitely how I found you. It was just, it was purely one specific subject that I was interested in, and and from mm. there found uh, your entire back kind of catalogue. And and mm. uh, the the subject is just so incredibly fascinating that it uh, you just led me through episode after the episode. But <laughs> let's get to I won't fa- you know fawn over you too much. Let's get back to <laughs> the <laughs> show. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Um, one of the other themes, apart from like you know deep diving into these these uh, um, theories and and the history of uh, psychology, you also are pop culture nerds it seems, um, and and you've you've gone pretty hard on on certain uh, big fan shows out there like Harry Potter and Star Wars. Can you tell the the listeners uh, how you approach uh, your your movie <laughs> review guys? <laughs> Amy, you take Harry and I'll take Star Okay. Uh, so we did Harry Potter first and that sort of came about more organically, I think, than the Star Wars one. We'd been watching a few of the movies together and sort of making comments to one another about how, you know, oh, so-and-so seems to have narcissistic PD or, well, you know. Like- 
you know, you know what um, what developmental disorder does Dobby have? You know exactly. <laughs> and so we have to pause the movie to kind of go. No, I have to ask. About that. It's this. So, so what does Dobby have? Well, so I think you've, you've deflected over to me, Hunter. Uh, so I, I think outside gaming. I know we're thinking something in the sort of um, autism developmental delay kind of kind of zone. His social skills don't quite match up with other people. He's got some sensory stuff with the head banging like this. So a bit of a vibe there. Possibly so, a bit overlay of, of trauma. You know, sort of a yeah. slight, probably been abused and things like that. So you know. Exactly. Yeah, so so we started with those kind of conversations while we're watching Harry Potter, which, to be fair, often interrupts our movie watching. Uh, but because both of us enjoy Harry Potter, it sort of started as a, oh, what if we did this thing? And we'd been doing the personality disorders, and so they were on our minds. And then I can remember sitting on the couch with Hunter, and he sort of reached over and grabbed the laptop and just started typing as I was talking. And from there, it kind of expanded. Whereas the Star Wars one had been in the works for quite a while, and I'd been delaying it going because I knew what it would be like. I knew it would be intense, and I knew <laughs> that we would re- like it would require a lot of focus, and that I'd need to take it seriously. And I wasn't ready to do that yet. So once I was, I said, "Okay, how about this?" Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, so I mean the, the Harry Potter one, we we went through I think it's the ten personality disorders mm. uh, that are, are around and and tried to, and worked out which of the characters fit with each crate, you know, uh, which uh, disorder. And then the most recent episode we did uh, number sixty, which is uh, diagnosing the Skywalker's mental health in the Star Wars universe. And so we, if you are a Star Wars fan, you definitely need to listen to that episode. We talked about. Ray, Kylo, Luke, and Leia, and we broke down you know, diag- uh, diagnostically what was going on, and talked about their personality and their attachment styles and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that was a, that was a lot of work, and uh, it was, but that was that was just so pleasurable to do. <laughs> and and I think all consuming as well. Yeah, both of us would be at work, and I'd kind of get a text from Hunter going, have you noticed that such and such? What about this? Or I'd send him a quote from a movie that had popped into my head while I was writing case notes. It was kind of for about a month there, we were just all Star Wars all the time. Good way to be. Um, And so the other side of pop culture, what is the best representation of a therapist you've seen uh, either in movies or TV and the absolute worst? God. (laughs) Well, we did, we did, we did a couple of episodes on this. It was our Sykes on film episode i don't know because the the problem is that they uh a lot of lot of therapy is actually really boring like mm. really boring to watch and there's you know over the course of an hour's session with somebody you might only have one or two moments that are really profound sometimes more of course so it's difficult to sort of say like i don't know amy did you, want to, did you want to i i thought it was interesting when we did those episodes that both of us realised that the first psychologist that each of us had seen on TV was the one that we were most like in our approach. So for me, it was the psychologist in Harriet the Spy, the child psychologist. And for Hunter, it was the psychologist in MASH, the trauma counsellor. And psychiatrist, but yeah. Psychiatrist, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's interesting to see what things you relate to or what things you think make a good therapist. I think it's far easier to pick out which ones are the worst Mm. because they're often, you know, doing stuff like 
sleeping with their clients or violating boundaries all over the place, hugging them, visiting them at their home or, you know, having something I watched recently where they had sessions that were sort of on the street and at a cafe and whatever. It was kind of like, no, you don't, you don't do that. You don't go and have a coffee with someone. That's not like it has to have a purpose. Exposure programming. If it's part of exposure, sure. This was not. This was all people dating their psychologists or things like that. Not so good. The um, there's an episode of the West Wing, uh, a couple of episodes with the West Wing, where the president gets some therapy, and I really, I really like that therapist. He's a really, he's he's really boundaried. He knows what he's talking about. So I really, he's really, really good. You know, the, I I I have a soft spot for Goodwill Hunting, but there's mm. also a lot of boundary boundary crossing kind of stuff that so basically what boundary crossing means is that the therapist is acting in a way that the therapist shouldn't be you know they're kind of uh, physically touching someone being threatening being too over sharing that kind of stuff but it's a good description of um of therapy uh and so i quite like i like the therapist that's in crazy ex-girlfriend who we we talked about as well i quite like her i find her quite relatable in some ways and I also think that she does the boundary thing really well but also you can tell that she cares about her client and I think that's often the thing that's missing in movie depictions it's either that they're cold and clinical or they're over familiar slash hitting on them which isn't okay and so you want uh, like ideally what I, I aspire to have boundaries but still demonstrate warmth and care for my client's and treating them like uh, people who deserve care rather than just a sort of object to be analysed. And I think that's something that's not done very well in movies and TV. I guess, yeah, it's it's, it's quite hard to fit in a, a 30-week kind of <laughs> session into a seven-minute um, scene. Mm, definitely. So, so if I go to a therapist tomorrow, I'm not going to be cured uh, before the credits roll and I walk out? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... <laughs> Both Amy and I are pretty good, so you know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for uh, making the podcast. Because, uh, like I said, uh, I've I've told you many, many times in private how much I enjoyed the show and how uh, grateful I was that I stumbled onto it one day. So, and uh, where where can people find you? Uh, TwoShrinksPod.com, dot com, very imaginatively titled our website, and uh, we're on Twitter uh, at TwoShrinksPod. So nice and easy. Or if you want to email us, it, it is uh, TwoShrinksPod at gmail dot com. Nice, easy to remember. So yeah, but we're on Apple Podcasts and all, or wherever you get your podcast feeds for my thanks again to amy and hunter there and thank you to everyone out in podcast listener land who has told a friend or listened or enjoyed or rated and reviewed us in apple podcasts it has made such a massive uh, difference to me to see just how well this dinky little podcast is doing in its first week uh it really really means a lot so thank you so much uh just a bit of housekeeping Uh, From next week, I'm going to start releasing two episodes a week purely because I've got such a massive backlog of incredible uh, interviews that I'm desperate to get into your ears. And especially the the, the ones about American democracy, I'm I'm just... I really want to get those out while America still remains a democracy. So I'm going to push through. Um, They're going to be two episodes a week, one on Monday, one on Thursday. Hopefully you'll enjoy them. I really enjoyed all of the the conversations. And once again, thank you, everyone who's listening. Thank you to James Smith for all of your audio assistance. Thank you to Lauren Watson for the design of the amazing artwork and to the good people up in ACAST in Sydney 
uh, for getting this thing off the ground. I love you all. I'll speak to you next week. Actually, I'll speak to you on Thursday. Have a great one. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.